of 39 milahot which constitute forms of work forbidden on the Sabbath. It's the why behind the way we do the things we do. Join Rabbi Musha Schnurb now for Hilchos Shabbos, only on 101.9 High FM. This is Soul to Soul on your radio. Erev Shabbos Kodesh. Pashas Vayetze Tov Shin Pei Beis. As we're getting ready for another beautiful Shabbos. A very, very warm welcome to our entire radio family. Thank you so much for putting on a device, for tuning in to our program, to learn a bit, to get some schizok, to get ready for another beautiful Shabbos. So I want to start this week. By, you know, rabbis have a Yetzirah also. You know, we like to do certain things that we want to do. And I've got to share with you uh, something very important to me. It's a question I've had for quite a long time, and I think I can give you an answer. The question is as follows. We know that the Torah tells us that Rachel dies in Beis Lechem. Now, if you look at a map, Beis Lechem is south of Yerushalayim. The Ramban says that Rachel died when Yaakov returned to Eretz Yisrael. Right? In Eretz Yisrael, Yaakov would actually be forbidden to marry two sisters, and he didn't, because when he entered Eretz Yisrael, Rachel, Rachel, uh, Rachel died. Now, the question is, if she died when they entered Eretz Yisrael, where were they coming from? Lavan lives in Aram. Aram is north. Uh, right? To get to Yerushalayim from Aram, you have to travel through most of Eretz Yisrael. And Rochel is buried south of Yerushalayim, which is not at all at the border. It's a very, very, very strange thing. W- what was the route that, that, uh, Yaakov Avinu took? So Chaim Kainevsky says that when Yaakov takes leave of Lovan, the Torah says, he got up and he crossed the river. What river? So the Targum says, he crossed the Naharpras, the Euphrates River. Now, and, and that's what the Targum says in many, many places. He likes to refer to the Naharpras. Right? Ishlach also he refers to it. Now, one second, one minute, what's going on here? Why is Yaakov crossing the Euphrates? If you want to get to Aram, which is probably somewhere in Lebanon or Syria, and you want to get to Beersheba or Hebron, even Yushalayim. You don't cross the Euphrates. Why is he crossing the Euphrates? By Yosem is Pon of Hara Gilad. He went towards Gilad. Gilad is part of Avrayarden, part of the, the east bank of the, uh, of, of, of the Jordan. Why is he going there? Says Rav Chaim Kanievsky, that Yaakov Avinu wanted to fool Lavan. And when he left, he took a route to head to Hebron, 
to head back to his father's house, but not the direct route where Lavan would look for him. But he went in a huge circle. He went east across the Euphrates River and went all the way around through the east bank of the, the Jordan, the Ever Hayaden, in order to make it to, to heaven. And that's why we find this very, very strange path. According to, according to Rav Chaim, so it works out very well. When did Yaakov Ovinu cross into Eretz Israel from the east bank of the Jordan? So somewhere near Hebron, right? He stayed distant and then he crossed into Eretz Israel somewhere by, by Beislachem, which is near, near Hebron. And therefore, when he crossed there, at that point, Rachel died shortly, shortly afterwards. So that's the answer. It's a bit of a technical uh, answer, and, and it has to do specifically with the way Yaakov decided to to travel. I know it's only a, a, a small idea, but it, it's to me it was big. Now, why, why go such a long way when you're going in such a a distance? But please hang on. We have many, many more interesting things to speak about. We're going to be speaking about the concept of the importance of money. We have lots and lots going on in the show today. Please stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. This is 101.9 Chayev. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, salt to salt, back on your radio. Air Shabbos, Kodesh, Pashas, Vayetze, Tavshin, Pebe. So glad you can make the time to join us as we spend a few minutes learning some Torah, being inspired, getting ready for the upcoming Shabbos. So, we know that Yaakov Avinu married two sisters, Rachel and Leah. And in the beginning, that Rachel was childless, and Leah had four children in quick succession, Reuben, Shimon, Levi, and Yehuda. And it says then, that Rachel became jealous of her sister. Now, Rav Shabsi Yudlovich was actually the grandfather and, and the namesake of the famous Magid, knew that his days on, on this world were, were numbered. He was not at all a, a well person to begin with, and the physical travails which he sustained going to Eretz Yisrael during the turn of the century, and then followed by the, the poverty and, and the hunger he experienced in Yerushalayim, had taken its toll on him. He knew that he would soon go the way of all of all men. He and his wife had been assured early in their marriage by a great tzaddik that in the future you will give birth to a son who is going to grow up to be a godol, a tzaddik, and a holy man. <coughs> Rav Shmuel Aaron, who was, is the, the author of Me'ilah Shal Shmuel and son-in-law of Rav Aryeh Levine, was that child. Rav Shabsi was well aware that his young son 
was very special. He did not waste a minute of his day. Right? Understanding that time is the greatest gift from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And, and, uh, and, and thus is, is, is sacrosanct. He was constantly learning. When everyone in his class, in, in Yeshiva Etzchayim, would go outside to play during, during break, he remained behind learning, reciting to him anything that brought him closer to, to the Rabbani Shalom. Rav Shabsi wanted to share a life lesson with his young son. One that would accompany him throughout his entire life's journey. And to use the, the medium of, of a Dvatayra to convey this message. He quoted the Pasuk, Vatkanei Rochel Bachesa. Rochel became jealous of, of her sister. Immediately, Shmuel Aaron, right, started the rest of the Pasuk. And she said to Yaakov, Havali Banim, give me children, for if not, I'm as good as dead. His father complimented him for remembering the whole Pasuk. Now, when did Rachel Imenu become jealous? Rav Shabsi asked his son. When Yehuda was born, was the immediate response. Rav Shabsi then began by enumerating Leah Imenu's first sons, Ruvain, Shimon, Levi, and although Rachel had not yet even given birth, she did not indicate that she was in any way envious of her sister's good fortune. What was it about Yehuda's birth that provoked Rachel's jealousy to manifest itself to the point that she told Yaakov Avinu, give me children for if not, I'm as good as dead. What was different about Yehuda's birth that, that somehow brought out such a negative reaction? Shmuel Aaron sat patiently, waiting for his father's explanation. He sensed that his father had something important to say. Listen carefully to what I will tell you, his father began. When Reuven was born, so the home of Yaakov Inu, of course, it became filled with joy. This was the beginning of the Shifteka, of the, of the 12 tribes. It was truly a special moment. Leah declared, Oh, wow, Hashem has seen my troubles. When her second child, Shimon, was born, Leah declared, Oh, Hashem has heard, and he also gave me this son. Rachel was still with our child, but we have no indication that she was anything but happy for her sister. She felt no jealousy. This emotion continued through Leah's third child, Levi, after which Rachel joined together with Leah in her hopes for a better future filled with joy. Still, she manifested no, no jealousy. It was when Yehuda was born that things changed. 
not because of Leah giving birth to another child, but because of how Leah expressed herself at his birth. Hashem. This time, let me praise and thank Hashem. The Torah then adds, therefore, she named the child Yehuda. This was the only time that we find Rachel showing any resentment concerning her sister's good fortune. Was it the fourth child that really made her upset? No. She was jealous that her sister had given birth to a child who would serve as a vehicle for praising Hashem, a tool to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu. When Rachel realized that the child, because he was a, 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 a medium that Leah used for HaKara Satayv gratitude, would elevate Leah spiritually, she cried out in pain because she too wanted to be spiritually elevated. Rav Shabsi placed his hand on young Shmuel Alter's head and said, My son, I do not expect you to understand the depth of what I'm saying to you. However, I sense that you grasp the basic idea Before your birth, we were promised that you would become a true servant of Hashem. I'm certain that you have the ability to become a great Tamachacham. But so did Esav. We know what happened to him. You must make sure that as you grow older, that you direct all of your strengths, talents, and skills towards one goal. Ruchni, spiritual growth, so that you serve Hashem on the highest level of your ability. And indeed, Rav Shmuel Aaron's life was taka, a, a symphony of service to, to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That is the way we have to understand. What do we have? Talents. What do we have? All the things that the Rabbani Shalom has given us. He's given us the opportunity to thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu and realize that whatever it is that we have is a gift from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is a gift from Hashem, that if we use it and we utilize it and give it back to Hashem, then we've achieved our true purpose. Because everything that comes from Hashem has to go back there. If we get gifts from Hashem and we express our, our, our thanks to Hashem, our gratitude, our recognition that it all comes from Hashem, then that blessing, that gratitude goes back to Hashem and we get to keep the item Hashem has given us plus much, much more. If we forget to be grateful, then Hashem can take it all away. If He's given us financial blessing, we can become poor. Hashem has given us health. If we're not grateful, He can take that away. If we're not grateful for our lives, then that too could possibly disappear. This is 11.9 High FM. The program is Soul to Soul. Please stay with us. There's so much more to come. 
This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, this is Soul to Soul, back on the radio, Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Pashas Vayetze, Tavshin Peibes, and a warm welcome to those who have just joined us as we talk about important issues regarding our lives and the Pasha we're going to read this this week. When Rachel, our mother, Rachel Imenu, comes to her father Lavan, <clears throat> and she tells him, you know, that the the son of Rivka has just arrived. Yaakov Avinu has come in order to find Eshirach. Lavan goes out to meet him. By Yorotz Likrosai. He runs to meet him. By Chavikli. He hugs him. By Inashikli. And he kisses him. Schazal. Come and tell us. That this running. Was not because Lavan loved. His brother-in-law. Yaakov. But. He loved. Money. Lavan was. Confident that Yaakov, the son of Yitzchak, who we knew was very, very wealthy, came with tremendous, tremendous amounts of, of money. As Lavan remembered, Eliezer, the servant of Avram, had come when he came to get a shidduch for Yitzchak. He came with ten camels laden with goodies. So he was sure that Yaakov also and therefore he runs to meet him. And when he sees that Yaakov came with empty hands, he hugs him to see maybe there's money in his pockets. And when he sees that the, the pockets are empty, he kisses him. Maybe he's hiding diamonds in his mouth. Chazal tell us that Lovin at that time was more than 100 years old. And nevertheless, he ran, come on, like a, like, like a, like a young child. Maybe he'll be able to make a few, a few shkodim. The desire for money. The Rechaim HaKadosh says on the Pasuk, Lavan says to Yaakov, Hachi, sorry, Hachi, are you my, my flesh and blood? He stayed with him for, for a month. What happened during that month that, uh, Yaakov stayed with Lavan? What was he doing there? Says the Arachayim HaKadosh. This was the month of investigation. This is the month where Yaakov was cross-examined. He questioned Yaakov Avinu. Tell me, Yaakov, tell me the truth. Where is the money? And Yaakov answered, Eliphaz ran after me and he wanted to kill me. And because of, of, of Kivadov, because he was trying to honor his father. So I told him that if you want to fulfill Give it over him. So, uh, we know that Oni Choshev Kameis, a poor person, is considered like a dead person. Take the money, and then you can say that you killed me. So Lovin says to Yaakov, Yaakov, 
this story that you already said the first day you came. Tell me something else. Where is the money? The next day again, where is the money? Yaakov Avinu explains them again. I did. I, I, when I left my father's house, I had tremendous, tremendous wealth. And Alephus came after me and, and, uh, and he took them to me. Right? And again, yes, says, says Laban, yeah, that's a good story to tell the, the receiver to avoid having paying tax. Now I want to hear the real truth. Where did you hide the money? Reveal it to me. Tell me the secret now. Where is that money? For an entire month, says Archam HaKadosh. Love drilled Yaakov daily. And after a month, he understood that there was no chance he was going to get the money. There was no money. Okay. If there's no money, okay. Now we've got to make some money. Work. And then you'll earn. But not only Lavan was uh, kissing people in order to find out if they had money. Every person has a little bit of a Lavan in his, in his heart. And if you don't make a huge effort to run away from it, then he's going to be kissing people in order to get the money. Yerav Rechmiel Boyer tells the story that when he was there and he served as the uh, the the mayor of 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 Bnei Brak. So in the morning he left his house to go to Letterman's Shul to Daven Shachras, right? And he had a set time when he went, and every single day across the road he would pass a. A, a Jew going in the other other direction, and when that Jew, as soon as he saw uh, a boy coming coming past him, even from a distance, he would say to him, "Shalom," and he would bow down to him. He bowed to such an extent that it looked like he was going to almost uh, uh, reach down to the uh, to the floor. So Rabbi Yechonil told him once, Rabbi Yid. You're not allowed to do this because uh, it's brought down in the in the tshuva tshuvas of the of the goyim that the the first bowing in the morning that we do has to be in shul. We don't bow to other people before we bow down to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Didn't help at all. Every day again, to him says Yerevanachmiel. As soon as the rumor circulated that I was going to leave the position of, of mayor, right? A few days passed and I met again that person in the morning and he passed me as if he didn't recognize me at all. And as if he has never ever seen me in his life. He didn't, he didn't bow down, didn't say hello because what does he need me for? When a person thinks that he can get something out of another person, right? He can get some, I don't know, some protectia here or there or, 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 or some other gain. So then, yeah, then the relationship is completely, completely different from one extreme to the other. The says, Or or 
Curse be the person who relies on people, who kiss people in order to get money and hugs them in order to sort of see what they can get out, out of them. This kind of behavior is, is really indicative of a person who has a very jaundiced view of, of the Rabbani Islam. Because if a person really believes that everything, all of his sustenance are, are fixed on Rosh Hashanah for the entire year and it doesn't make a difference on iota how much you're going to work, how much effort you're going to make. It's not going to make one iota of difference how much you flatter other people and try to butter them up and, and get and get money. It doesn't make a difference if you accept upon yourself to, to, to for whatever uh, 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 purpose to, to, uh, you know, to, uh, you know, to, to try to force someone to, to, to work. You're going to work from, from, from sunrise till, till sun, sunset. You've got to understand that all this doesn't make any difference at all. Because all your income is fixed from one year to the next. To what can this be compared? A person receives a letter at home that uh, he has a uh, uh, there's a, a a in the port in the port there's waiting for him a huge container. And he has to come and, uh, you know, fill out the documentation and, 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 uh, and take it. And he has no idea who, who sent it to him. So he travels to the, to the port and he goes to the, uh, to the, uh, office in order to get the, 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 the container that was sent to him. So the, the employee says to him, no. You have to pay a certain amount of money in order to, to free it from, from, uh, from, from the, from customs, the container. So he pays whatever taxes he has to pay and he gets the container. Right? The, the, the container is, you know, is, uh, is there on the, on the, on the semi trailer. And when he gets to his home, he opens and he sees a huge shipment worth half a million, half a million dollars. He's so happy. Oh wow. I paid a few, whatever, I paid a few thousand shekel as, as, as tax. And look what I got. I got this tremendous, tremendous amount of, of merchandise worth half a million dollars. Right? So he goes back the next day. To the, to the port, to the port, goes back to the same employee and says, uh, uh, hello, yeah, I was here yesterday and I gave you 4,000 shekel and you gave me a container. Can I give you another 4,000 uh, shekel and you'll bring me another container? Of course, the employee begins to, to laugh and he says to him, you don't understand. You think that every time you pay four thousand uh, uh, a shekel, that entitles you to to uh, to buy a, a container. The container was yours all the time. 
right? Someone sent you that container, and what what you paid? That was just the uh, the 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 you, know, you paid for the for the port taxes and, and and whatever and whatever it is, or you know, for the for the bill of waiting and all those all that kind of stuff, right? You get you once once you once you paid that, you gave us the the opportunity to to you know release that that shipment and, and give it to you and to bring it to to bring it home. But the container was yours even before you you paid any money. Right? When 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 a yid goes out every morning to work, so he's just paying the taxes. He's not actually creating for himself his parnasa. The parnasa is a gezera, is a decree from Shemayim. I have no idea what I deserve, how much I'm going to get, because we live in this oilam. Oilam comes from the words helam. It's all hidden. We just, we believe that our our sustenance is fixed for the entire year, and therefore, when I go out to work, I am just going through the motions. I'm making certain efforts, but I have I don't create. Uh, the money, I'm just paying the taxes that allow, that allow HaKadosh Baruch Hu then to, to, uh, free up the, the, the money that he's going to, that he's going to, uh, get is ready, that already I deserve from, from before. And therefore, where a person, uh, uh if a person doesn't believe and doesn't accept that everything is a gazer from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so he thinks that if I'm going to, you know, if I'm going to uh, uh, investigate and I'm going to somehow, uh, uh, you know, cross-examine Yaakov Avinu, so I'll get, I'll get more money, right? Yaakov, on the other hand, lived with complete and total emunah in Hakadosh Baruch because he knew that everything is a, is a gazer from Hakadosh Baruch and therefore he works. You know, I'm is Tom Yoshev Ayelim. He doesn't try to to treat anyone. He doesn't try to to steal because he understands everything comes from Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Right. In fact, as the the Rambam brings down in in Ruchas and Perak Perak Gimel, he says in the same way that every employer is is warned not to to steal or withhold the wages of a poor person. And, and not to in any way uh, uh, delay the payment, so too the poor person is equally stridently warned not to to steal in any way from the balabas, right? Don't waste your time. Don't uh, uh, utilize company uh, uh, supplies and because then you end up spending the whole day treacherously. Where the guys, where the, the boss is paying you and you haven't done anything. A, an employee is obligated to be very, very careful with himself during his hours of employment because, you know, the, 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 uh, the, to the point where the Galacha says that someone who's working on, on a time job is exempt from saying the fourth bracha of Berchat Amazon. Because he has to get back to work. The fourth bracha is only a rabbinic obligation, 
And if he says that, that's wasting a bit of extra time. That's unnecessary of the, of, of the boss's time. And he has to work with all of his strength. Because Yaakov Itzadik says, I work with all my strength for your father. And therefore, uh, he deserved all the reward he got, all the, all the monetary gain he got. He deserved every last, every last bit. Right? Even in this world. Right? Because as it says, by he became very, 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 very wealthy. One day in the court of Shlomo Melech appeared three men and they looked very unhappy, very, very upset. And they told him, they told Shlomo the following story. Said, my master, the king, number one began and he said, we're three partners that we got together to do, a, to create a big business. And we took with us a very large amount of money. When it came close to Shabbos, began the second person, we dug a, a uh, pit where we, where we hid the money with the intention, obviously, of coming back on, on Mertz Shabbos and getting it. The third person picks up the story and says, when we came back on Mertz Shabbos, the, the money was gone. And no one besides the three of us knew about the the packet of money and where it was where it was where it was hidden. One of us is the Ganav. And I ask you, Adonia Melech, that forced each one of us to take an oath that he didn't steal the money, and then we'll know who is the, who's the Gazlan. But Shlomo Melech wasn't in such a hurry to do this because he knew very well that in the same way as someone who was prepared to steal the money wouldn't hesitate to swear falsely. So therefore Shlomo Melech looked for another way, a special way, a, a good idea of how he could trap the Ganav into into admitting. After a bit of thought, he told him to come back the next day. Next day, when the when the three of them again appeared in in his uh, basin, so he turned to them and said, "Look, I see that you're very very clever people. So before we get busy with your case, I want to ask. I want to get some advice from you." about another, a shadow that came up yesterday. And of course, the compliment that Shlomo Melech uh, 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 paid them uh, was not lost on them, and they were very, very curious to hear this this Shiloh. He says as follows, there was once a boy and a girl that grew up together, and they took an oath to each other that when they grew up, they would get married. Years passed, the girl grew up, and she got married to another person. On the first night after the chuppah, she suddenly remembered the shvur she had made, and she told her husband about it. When the husband heard this, he said, look, 
we are not able to live together as husband and wife until we go to that person and ask him to please, please, a kind of a, a, a forego the the oath that 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 you swore one to another and allow you to marry another another person. So the husband and the wife uh, went with a large amount of money in in their hands and they met that that's well he wasn't a boy anymore obviously he was now a now a, a man and they they offered him a large amount of money that he should please consent to to forego the sure but this uh, uh this uh you know, young man uh, he said no uh, I don't want the money, and he wished them mazel tov, and and sent them sent them away. Happy and content, they began their journey home, and they too met a robber who took all the money from them. And the woman turned to him imploringly and said, "Please give us back our money." And she told him the whole story about her husband who wouldn't live with her until until they, they got rid of the shvua and this and this this boy who was prepared to forgo the shvua the whole story and the man was so impressed he gave him back the money and they carried on home Shlomo finished the story and he looked at the three of them who were a little bit confused what's 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 going on here so my question is of all the characters involved in the story, who do you think was the most righteous? Who do you think did the most incredible act of selflessness? So the first one, the partner said, that that woman is is certainly deserving of of honor because she kept her promise and the swore that she uh, that she swore as a child. The second partner said. I think it's the husband who who uh, is worthy of of uh, of commendation because even though he must have loved her very very much, but as soon as he heard this whole story, right after the chuppah, he abandoned everything in order to get permission from that from that bacher, and therefore he deserves uh, uh, accolades. Says the third partner, I think. There are, oh, yeah, I agree with you. The two are worthy of, of praise. But, I think that this Bacher was such a fool. They offered him this huge amount of money. Why did he not take it? You're the Ganav! Shlamamel screamed at this third partner. If that's the way you speak about this young man, in, in spite of the fact that you weren't even involved in the story, that shows that you have a tremendous desire for money, even if it's not yours. I'm sure that you are the person that stole the money from the two other partners. And the third partner uh, uh, admitted what he had done, and the two other partners uh, went home happy, and uh, they carried on with their business, satisfied with the tremendous chokhmah of 
This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, soul to soul, back on your radio, Hilchos Shabbos, Kedush, Pashas, Vagetze, Tav, Shin, Pei, Beis. Thank you for joining us, if you're joining us just now. And even a bigger thank you if you're still hanging on and continuing to listen to the entire show. That is really, really great. As we always do at this point in the broadcast, to give you the important times you need to know to make this Shabbos tink, tinkle for, for you. So the earliest time for lighting Shabbos candles this afternoon is at 5.09, nine minutes past five is the earliest. That's Plaga Mincha, and that's plenty of time. Still good, more than Two hours from now, so it's plenty of time to go get yourself ready, go have a bath, go get the kitchen set up, get all the food that needs to be hot, hot, all the food needs to be cold, cold, and get ready for a spectacular Shabbos Pashas Vayetze. The latest time for lighting Shabbos candles this week is at 6.14. We're one minute next week, we'll cruise into our summer default session of 6.15. 6.14 is the latest time. Make sure you get them up by then. Make sure that everything is set up and Shabbos is all ready to go before before that time. Therefore, Shkia is at 6.32. That would be there. Your injury time situation where a person really is desperate until 6.32. Therefore, if you want to daven Myra Bismana and not have to repeat the Krishna, wait till 10 to 7, 6.50, and you'll be able to daven Myra and not have to repeat the Krishna uh, again. And then settle down for a really great Friday night evening with the family, some good food, some good Zemira, some good Divretera, and uh, we can make an amazing Shabbos. Tomorrow morning is Shabbos Kodesh, Parshas Vayetze, quite a long I'll show about a great, great storyline. Lots of intrigue, lots of detail, lots of things that, questions that need to be answered and difficult issues that need to be understood. And the Haftarah is the normal Haftarah for Parshish Vayetzer by Yivrach Yaakov. And right, it's a normal, regular Shabbos. Shabbos Kodesh ends tomorrow night at 7.07, 7, seven minutes past seven. Big jump. This week of six minutes from from last last week, and yeah, and then we move into another beautiful week. We are two weeks shy, just over two weeks shy of Hanukkah. Getting ready, start getting yourself ready. And for those who are looking forward to the December holiday, probably by now, counting the days of work until leave be- begins. And yeah, it's something great to look forward to—a break, maybe a, a family holiday, or maybe just some downtime to stay home and sleep and do what you need to do at home. Great, great stuff. We are learning about the laws of Shabbos. We've been speaking about learning Torah on on Shabbos, the obligation to spend extra quality time studying Torah on Shabbos because that's what it's there, there for. There's a special issue that our rabbis were very, very, very insistent about and that was to have a a distinguished kind of uh, uh, important shear, a public lecture that takes place on on uh, on on Shabbos. That was always the custom that there was a public lecture to which everyone 
used to used to come. And in those Shurim, so the Rabbanim, the Rabbanim of the town or the Shtot or whatever it was, would uh, expound on, usually, on issues of halacha, to teach people the right way to behave and the things that you need to do and should and shouldn't do, and on matters of emuna to try to strengthen Kleisel in their belief, in their in their uh, system of, 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 of trustworthiness in, in the Rabbanishla. And this was the, this instruction of having public gatherings to learn Torah together it goes way, way back. It was actually an instruction that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave to Moshe Rabbeinu in Parshas Vayakel, where Hashem said to Moshe, Make big gatherings and expound in front of them, right, publicly. Particularly then, the laws of Shabbos. People will know how to properly keep, keep Shabbos, right, besides listening to soul to soul. And, and this program, you gotta learn properly the laws of Shabbos, right? And, and, uh, and, and says, and, and says Hashem, do it. That all the future generations will learn from you that they must continue to gather the whole community together every single Shabbos and to fill the Batemidrashas, fill the study halls, fill the villashuls to teach them and to teach them Sakalocha, teach them how to behave themselves for to to the entire Jewish nation, teach them what they're allowed to do and what they mustn't. Uh, do. Why? So that Hashem says that my great name will be praised amongst my, my children. Based on this, Chazal say, Moshe in fact instituted for the Jewish nation that they should expound every Shabbos with issues relevant to the Shabbos, right? And, and then certainly when it came time before a Chag, before a seasonal Chag, to learn the laws of Pesach before Pesach, and the laws of Shavuos before Shavuos, and the laws of Sukkot before Sukkot. And Moshe, in fact, said to the Jewish nation, if you follow this process and, and gather together and learn HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Torah, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu will consider it as if you declared his kingship in the entire in the entire world. As the Pasuk says, the Atem Edai no Hashem, you are my witnesses, says Hashem, Vanikel, and then I can be considered Hakalish Baruch. Now the Gemara actually says that it is forbidden, it's a tremendous breach of community spirit to to fix your meal time at the time when the community drasha is taking place. This is actually brought down in the Shulchan Aruch. And the Chachamim said that this was one of the reasons why people unfortunately lose their wealth. People who are who were well healed, who are uh, uh, well endowed with money, became 
became became destitute because they they refused to sort of fall into line and participate in in the shum. The Gemara says there was a certain family in Yerushalayim that always made their meal time at the time of the communal adrasha, and because of this very very serious sin. They were they were uprooted. They, 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 their whole family was was destroyed. Says the Gemara in in uh, in, in Gittin. In fact, Rabbi Zera tells a story that originally he thought that those people who run to hear the drasha uh, 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 on Shabbos, I thought they were breaking Shabbos. By running on Shabbos, that they don't walk appropriately, slowly on Shabbos. But after I heard the words of Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi said that a person should always run to hear words of Torah and words of Halacha, even on Shabbos. So then Rabbi Yeshua said, I also used to run to the, to the drush. It's more in, in, in brachas. Right? Since the, the, the Joshua was intended for the entire, for the entire Tzibur. So it's, it's obviously, it becomes a challenge for the robbers given the Joshua to somehow, uh, fine tune the level to be appropriate for everyone in the community. Because obviously you have people on all kinds of, of levels in the community, greater and some more basic, and you have to somehow reach them all, right? There are some, therefore, who might know everything that the Rav is about to, to teach. And there were those who was above the head that couldn't understand a word of what he's saying. And concerning that, the Chachamim say it doesn't make a difference. The reward for coming to the Shia is running to the Shia. That even if you don't understand what's going on, you don't understand what's being said, the fact that 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 you go, the main reward for the drasha is running to come to the to the uh, to the shir because of the fact that people running and gathered together to hear the drasha that becomes uh, uh, honor to the Torah and the shkina then dwells in in amongst them and because of that they merit to strengthen themselves. That's being part of that group. They already strengthened in their amuna and they become closer. To Torah and, uh, and, and, uh, and, and Mitzvahs. We'll be back in a moment. This is 101.9, 101.9, Chai FM. The program is Soul to Soul. And this is the greatest Jewish radio station in all of Africa. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb. Only on 101.9, Chai FM. 101.95, so back on your radio. So glad that you're still with us as we reach our final segment. So we're talking about learning Torah on Shabbos, going to the Shear. Obviously, if for whatever reason a person is unable to attend the Shear, he has to babysit, whatever he's stuck at, at home, fine. What he should do is at the time that the shear is taking place. So he should also be sitting at home and learning Torah at the same time. But as we said, that is not a time to be having your lunch, to be having your suda, or to go for a walk at the time when that drasha is taking about. 
And again, the main purpose of the drasha is to teach the community practical halacha and to give direction and give inspiration to those who are listening in the ways of of, of Akarish Baruch As in fact, the Medrash says to teach and to instruct Yisrael words of Torah, what is permitted and what is forbidden. Now, it once happened, Mar says, that Rabbi Vo and Rabbi Chia Ba'aba came to a certain place, and Rabbi Vo gave a shear in matters of Agalic teaching, and Rabbi Chia gave a shear in Halacha. So most of the people didn't want to go to Rabbi Chia's Halacha shear, but instead, they went to hear the nice stories, the nice musr of Rav It's much more pleasant, much more, uh, you know, entertaining maybe than learning halacha. And, and Rav Chia got very upset. Why was no one coming? Because Rav Avo was, uh, 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 you know, was because they were going, he, he really wasn't fulfilling the entire purpose of the drasha because the main purpose of the drasha is to teach halacha. And even though Rabbi Vo tried to comfort him, appease him, he, he refused to be comforted, says the Gemara in, in Saita. So most likely, Rabbi Vo thought that, you know, the tzibah was on, on such a low level and therefore they would get more out of hearing, you know, some stories, here's some things about Amuna and, and, and you know, explain some nice maizim in the Gemaras. But Rav Chia thought that they, the, the, the Tzibur did have the ability to hear words of halacha and, 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 uh, it should have spoken in matters of halacha. Practically speaking, obviously, everything is dependent on the particular committed, uh, community and whatever they need to, to grow that committee. Generally speaking, one uh, tries to do both. One tries to somehow fuse together into the drasha some words of halacha and reasons for things together with some words of emuna and some and some musa. And that's what many of the great gedolim have tried to do over the over the uh, <coughs> over the ages. Right now, the 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 leaders of the community, the lay leaders, so they have the responsibility to strengthen the learning of Torah in their community, the communal learning of Torah in, in their community on, on Shabbos, and to set up as many shiurim as, as possible of different types of you know, uh, strains so that the men can get something out of it, and women also can come and hear shiurim. They're shir for the, for the older people and for the children, both in halacha and in, in Musa. Right, maybe Shurman in Tanakh, maybe Shurman in Gemara, and in order that everyone in the community should be catered to and should be able to participate in in the Shurim. And generally, we need to we need then to have a a at least one public or central public drasha for for everyone in order to give cover atayra and 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 to have this tremendous. Uh, 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 you know, occasion where everyone gathers together to hear, to hear Torah. That's about all the time we have this week. Just a moment to thank you all for being part of our radio family. Thank you all for participating in this week's particular show. And to each and every one of you, a beautiful and wonderful good Shabbos.